Welcome to our community. This is our of the best. Parshas Emler. Here is the question. Should we, when we know the right thing to do, should we force people or should we let them discover it on their own? So the only way to know is by the the process of Geula that we're moving into. What is the pattern of Geula? Because if in general the pattern is in a certain way, so it's going to be that way in private as well. So when we're looking at the word Geula, which is, and we've been saying in the past few sikhas, the letters of Gaila with an Aleph, it basically tells the whole thing. Gula is, of course, it's five languages of Gula, What is Gula? Because when we prepare for Gula, or when we're going into personal Gula, we need to know what it is. And what it is, is the freeing of all in Yanam of Gullus, um, of, of, of all things being, being free from all in Yanam of Gullus. Gula does not push away the Avite in Gullus, but it, rather it includes in it, it includes it and it lifts it up by putting, by revealing the Aleph of the Ulofishal Island into Gaila. I'm going to move down away from the other shear. So that means that in a very personal way, we're going to end up doing the same thing. We don't push things away anymore. We don't run away from things anymore, but we include them and we make them part of our process. So, um, and then the other thing is, so, so point number one, we're at a moment in the history where we, we embrace everything and use it to our advantage. We don't run away from things anymore. The other thing is, the Geula is achieved through the Avaida in Gullus. So when we're not running away from things, where is this Geula, where is this upgrade in our lives going to find itself? You know, how do you, where do you look to find the wherewithal to upgrade your life? You look into actually the darkness, into the Gullus, because that's where you're going to find the potential for your moving forward in life. And, of course, that's based on the idea that Gaila, which is the Gullus, the, the not good stuff, has four of the five letters of Geula. So there you have it, right in there. But one question we want to ask is, um, being that we're just before the Geula, um, what does this all mean for me? Let's look back at the original coming out of slavery, because that's what we're all here to do, come out of our enslavement. The whole point of Gula, as we say, is adding the Aleph in Gaila, add, adding a visibility of truth. When you're in the Gullus and you come face to face with truth, it's different from the way it used to be. It used to be you're in the middle of a gullus, but you come face to face with truth, and so, you know, you get another perspective. Now we have the possibility in life of coming face to face with truth while in the middle of a gullus, and it actually can transform right then and there that gullus. That's the difference of where we are historically. It just used to be it gave you one more perspective, but now it can do way more than that. So, um, 
In order to see that, let's look at the original Gula and the original Gullus. Gullus Mitzrayim. So what was going on there? First of all, how many of us came out, our old, our young, our sons, our daughters? And we didn't only come out. I mean, you want to say Forkus did not come out, but whoever left, left. And did they just leave themselves? No, they came with their gold and their silver. They brought with them their stuff, their valuable stuff. They brought with them their little space where they lived, their little their environment. They they walked out not just as individuals, but as individuals. You know, like when you individuals when you buy a tree that's somewhat mature and you're going to plant it. It's not just a seed. It's not just a tree stump, but it has the root ball with it. It has a lot of earth clinging to it. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So the earth of the place where this tree was growing is clinging to the roots, and you buy the whole thing with the earth of the old place connected to it, on it. And then you take the old earth from the old environment, the old home of the tree, with the roots, and you put that old home of the tree into a new home. So it came with its stuff. We did too. When we left Mitzrayim, we came with our stuff. The stuff of our old home in Mitzrayim, in Gullus, went with us. Our gold and our silver. And so the question is, how? And it says, So we took with us all of this, and we emptied out Mitzrayim. We left it like a, um, I guess, a, a wheat silo or something, that was empty of any, you know, a grain silo, empty of any grain. Or a fish pond, empty of any fish. We emptied the place out. We cleaned the place out. We took all the good stuff that was there, and we took it with us. Now, here's the question. Let's go back for a second. How did it get there to begin with? It's an amazing question. Hashem knew that he wanted to funnel all the physicality, all the sparks into one place and then put us there with those sparks together but put us in a situation of servitude and we, there we were hanging out with those sparks for a couple of hundred years and developing a whole new relationship with Hashem in potential through our servitude, through understanding and tasting, experience what it means to be slaves it was preparing us to become servants of Hashem. But as we're there, we're surrounded by the earth of the root ball, so to speak. We're surrounded by all our, by our lifestyle, our stuff. And there is gold and silver. As at, at, at the end, at the end, after all those years of slavery, we were given the gold and silver, and we were told to take it. So, where did, now, oh, sorry, so how did it get there? There was a famine a couple of hundred years before. And there was no food anywhere. So Hashem made food in one place and one place alone. Put the, then one of the, the, the tzaddik, the Yosef the tzaddik, 
in the triumph through the most unbelievable circumstances. And then, and he had the wisdom when there was a famine to, to interpret the dream of Paro and to say, everybody, we will have food. This is how we're going to have food. So he was the only one. He was, I guess, he was the leader of the generation at that point. He was the wise man of the generation. But he was in Gullus. And the whole world was in famine. And everybody came to Mitzrayim to buy food. That was the only place where there was food. Because of Yasef being directed by Hashem to have the wisdom to say, collect food. And being directed by Hashem to be first, first as a captive in jail. And then lift it up to have a primary position in the government. So now the whole world needs food. What do you do? You bring your money. You bring your gold and your silver. You bring it to Mitzrayim and you trade it in for food. So now all the gold and silver in the world has been funneled into Mitzrayim. Well, that was interesting. I won't say that was easy. That was an interesting way for Hashem to get all the gold and silver, which carried all the sparks into Mitzrayim. Okay. Then we're put there together with it. And then when it's the moment to go out, Hashem says, well, now you know why I put all the gold and silver into this place with you. Because all this gold and silver from all over the world was created for one reason. To build the Mishkan. You're the ones that I have chosen to build that. So take all the sparks and take all the gold and silver out of the triumph where I carefully had it collected and stored. Take it with you into the Midbar. And a year from now, I will tell you to build the Mishkan. There we go. Mission accomplished. So with that in mind, the question is, this gold and silver that's a crucial part of the narrative, did we steal it from them? Is that what we did? Did we take it from them illegally? Does that mean we would build a Mishkan based on something that really wasn't ours? God forbid. Okay. But the Gula was not just coming out of Mitzrayim. It created a Gula from Mitzrayim itself. Mitzrayim clearly needed to let go of those sparks. They were allowed to hold on to them for a couple of hundred years. And then it was time for them, Mitzrayim, to release them. And how was it done? By putting the Aleph, the parts of Gullus, into Gula, by taking all that Gullus stuff, all the gold and silver, which normally for the nations is used not for the greatest stuff. And not for the greatest reasons, and not for the most moral reasons. It's usually not used too well. And all of that would be used for the Mishkan, for the base of English, which is his ultimate purpose. It would all be used for truth. Which, by the way, this gives you a view of what's going on in the world today. That everything looks like, you know, more and more enslavement, and more and more craziness, and more and more edicts and mandates and this and that and really strange stuff. More and more enslavement. And then as it has started to turn around, it will be visible that it was all for the purpose of bringing all of the stuff of the world and all the ways that people interact and all of the systems, democracy and and uh, totalitarianism and all this other stuff 
it is all intended to be funneled into the third base of Mizish. And that's where it's going. And we're the ones to do it. So, we emptied out Mitzrayim. Take the stuff and go to build the Mishkan. But, did we just, we didn't want to take the stuff. We said, Hashem, could we just get out of here? And, he, and Hashem said, no. Remember, there was a promise. And then after being enslaved, Avram Avinu was told this. After being enslaved, your children will be enslaved for a couple of hundred years. I think it was supposed to be for 400 years. And then they'll come out with great wealth. They may not want the great wealth, but they have to take it. It's more than just personal wealth. It's funneling all the stuff. All the physical stuff that comes with the laws of nature is funneling all of that into the basin. So how did it happen? So Hashem put the grace of us in the eyes of the tribe. They weren't exactly too nice to us. Is that a mild way to put it? When we were enslaved, it was, it was beyond a record. It was a holocaust was no less than the Holocaust. It was a very horrific situation. But um, okay. So all of a sudden they they were it was a Holocaust and all of a sudden we came to the end of this Holocaust. And they're coming to us and saying, we want to give you, we want to give you our riches. You want to give us your riches? We were your slaves. You were torturing us. And all of a sudden you want to give us your riches? What? It shows us that. We were, they brought us their stuff, their extra gold and silver without being forced. We did not force them. They ran after us. The question is, why did they ran after us? Run after us? What's that about? And not only that, they were given a command, or we were given a command: go to your neighbors and ask them for the gold and silver. That was our command. They didn't get that command. Why did they come running after us? They didn't have anything that they had to do with that. Why would they have the instinct to come running after us after the way they treated us for 200 years? And not only that, after Hashem broke Mitzrayim through the ten makas, so why do they then come with this approach um, that they are running after us to give us their stuff? And remember, the original question is, do we force people? in what we believe is good for them? Or do we do it a different way? We always were used to another generation's forcing. Is there another way to do it? So, when it came to Mitzrayim, there was no forcing. They ran after us and said, we didn't say you'd better give us your money or else. No. They gave it to us willingly, believe it or not, and then they ran after us and offered us more. So the Geula, the type of Geula means being lifted up from Mitzrayim through understanding that Hashem is a Lufa Shalayim, that Hashem is running this world that we're looking at. 
And the Mitrim, many of them were Chachamim. In the end, they understood. And if they didn't understand, their mazel understood. As it says, The Mitrim understood. They got it. Who Hashem is. And therefore, it had to be done. And it was done. Not by them being forced, but of their own free will. Of their own free will. In addition to this, that um, Hashem made us gracious in their eyes, when whatever they didn't ask, whatever we didn't ask for, because there was a first phase where we said, we've seen your drawers in your closets, we know what you have, we were told to take it. And they gave it. But a whole other level is them running after us and saying, you forgot some stuff. You forgot some stuff? This is for sure not being forced to give their stuff for the, the Mishkan. So, this is the, the way we are taught in this generation to live our lives. No forcing. That, those were the olden days. No forcing. That Gaula is, lift, is, is, com, is, is comprised of Gaila and it, everything is lifted up. It's Dafka when we go in, into Gaulus Mitzrayim. That's where the Aliyah and Gaulus Mitzrayim happens. And we came out with great wealth. Spiritual wealth and physical wealth. So when we go into those experiences, we're guaranteed to come out with great spiritual wealth. So now we understand about the Gaula that comes since Gaulus Mitzrayim. Till the Gaula Mitzvah Vashlema, when we will see wonders greater than them. It's called Gaula because it means two things. Lifting up the Inyanum of Galus, of Gaila, through revealing Alufish Alaylam, and Dafka through the Avaida and Gaila comes the Gaula. So here's the question. Why, how did Hashem, we, and we don't know the answer, how did Hashem get the Mitzrayim to decide to run after the Bnei Yisrael and bring them any remaining gold and silver that wasn't taken? And, and that was the whole point that the Mitzrayim ran after of, of, uh, of their own accord, ran after and said, there's more jewelry, you forgot it, take it. At the very beginning, when the Yidden were told by, I guess, Maishar Benu, um, you were there in those three days, go, and during the plague of darkness, Makas Chayshach, I guess we were told, go and look at, go and open all the drawers and all the closets and all of the cupboards and all of that of the Mitzrim and see what they have there and then close it. Don't take anything. Don't touch anything. Just make a map of where everything is. So we did it. We were not in darkness. They were in total darkness. They couldn't move and they were trapped in darkness. We had light. So we were told, imagine this kind of situation. I don't know if they had, no, if they were in total darkness, they couldn't see what we were doing and they couldn't stop it. They were suspended in midair, but they also couldn't see what we were doing. Imagine that frequency is a very interesting idea. You're talking about 
um, be, being in a totally different frequency from the rest of the world. And they're happening simultaneously. For the whole world, the Mitzrayim is essentially the natural world. For the whole world, there was total darkness. They couldn't see and they couldn't move. And they, 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 they did not perceive anything else. We were living in a different frequency of life, of light and life. And therefore, we were moving around freely and we, two things were happening simultaneously. Which, by the way, I'm just saying as a side point, which we should make into a different shear. That means that we can always live in a different frequency from the rest of the world and they both work side by side. They, they're in darkness, we're in light. So, We'll leave that for a different time, but just to store it on the side, that concept. But during that time, we were told, go in and see what they have. And then don't touch anything. Just go in and see what they have. And then later on, I don't know how long it was till the next Makkah, till Makkah's Bechairus. It might have been a few days. If you haven't, I don't know the timeline. Maybe it was a couple of weeks. I don't know. When it was time to leave or after, after Makkah's Bechairus, when it was time to leave, we were told, now, we said, can we just leave? And Hashem said, no, you can't. Now go back and take the stuff that you you know where it is, the gold and silver, because it contains the sparks. And we said, we'd rather just leave. We don't need that stuff. And Hashem said, no stuff, no leave. No taking, no washing. No stuff, no leave. You have to take the gold and silver. It's the sparks. I, I sent you here to get the sparks. But you had to develop a, a relationship, a proper relationship with me and with holiness and with truth and with the sparks for a long time until you were ready to take those sparks. Now you're ready. Go. Take them. You know where to look. So we took what we were supposed to take. What was the psychology of the Mitzrim at that moment? We don't know. Did they say, please? I mean, they had been torturing us for 200 years. It was a... It was an unspeakable holocaust. So did they say, hi, hi, please welcome. Yeah, we have here. We have a lot of jewelry. You know, what was going on? Were they upset? Were they stuck? Did they have no ability to to react? What What was really going on? I don't know. They probably didn't welcome us. But... That's not the perplexing part. The perplexing part is, I mean, or they seem to, maybe they did. It says Bal Karkam. They were not forced. They were not tied and muzzled while we went in and took stuff from their houses. I guess they saw and they're like, oh, yeah, well. On some level, their model said, well, I mean, it's a, a second in history when the darkness itself says, what was all our stuff created for anyway? The Mishka, the Beis HaMikdash. Of course you have to take it. That was probably a split second in all of history. Because the whole point of the darkness is to say, is to say, this stuff was created for Klippa, not for Kedusha. So, it was, it was literally like a moment in history. So, um, if that's the case, the really strange thing is they then ran after us afterwards. And then you're talking about a whole different psychology. One psychology is, okay, they let us in their home. They didn't call the cops on us. They didn't call the police on us, right? 
the police were also giving away, you know, were also having their stuff taken. I guess for that split second, they understood the ultimate purpose of all of my stuff is for the base of English. That's the recognition that we are still struggling to come to. You know, but that's my cheese Danish. That the ultimate, right? No, don't eat my cheese. Who ate my cheese Danish? I put it aside so I could have it with my coffee. Like, who ate my cheese Danish? Oh, <laughs> right? Or something. It takes a, a couple of seconds. You know, it takes some work to be in a total consciousness without a, without, um, batting an eyelash of like, that was, that's not my cheese Danish. That cheese Danish is created for the base of English. It's not really mine. It, it it takes some practice to really be at that point. They were at that point, I guess, for a second, a moment, whatever. Interesting, because they, the Klippa, got to that point. Obviously, the lowest of the low came to that point. It gave us the ability, the possibility of us, who are for sure not the lowest of the low, to live on that level. The reason that we don't sometimes live on that level is because we're enslaved to the darkness and the lessons that darkness teaches us. We're still, every time we're like, what, that's my dangerous, who took it, that's my, or whatever it is, you know, that's it, or whatever it is. The, the moments when we're still feeling like this is mine as opposed to this is part of the base of Mizesh, not mine, you know, like our money, like, Nobody, you know, nobody wants their money taken by somebody else. Let's say if, if the person spends their money unwisely and they thought, you know, yesterday I had paid $65 to ship back some the shipments of trees that I shouldn't have gotten, and they said it was, the order was canceled, and that's a real waste of $65 just to ship back these trees. It's just, right? So it takes some amount of work to feel like that wasn't my money that I spent. You know, I didn't make a mistake. So anyway, the point is, let's just go back to Mitzrayim. The mystery, it was one thing to let us in their homes. It's another thing to run after us and say, hey guys, you forgot something. Take everything that we have. Run, use it for the Mishkan. That's why it was created. For a mystery? who's so ensconced in the opposite of holiness, for a mystery who's so completely enslaved himself by Kalipa, to come to that recognition is beyond, beyond, beyond. Way more beyond than for us. For us, that's their natural habitat. For them, that's unbelievable. And they did in those moments. So there was no time to lose. In those moments, they ran to us as we left Mitzrayim, said, take more stuff. That they did voluntarily. And the point that the Rebbe is bringing out is, that is the template for the Geula. The Geula has to be, by definition, not has to be, but the definition of Geula is a Geula that is created from the Gullus in a way that the Gullus of its own free will chooses to give up its power to truth. Otherwise, it's not full good. 
Shul Geula is not when the darkness, when the klipa is forced. That's not Shul Geula. It still has power. Shul Geula is the klipa, the gullus says, we want truth. We want truth. Like, you know, as we said, somebody who's the richest man in the world and belongs to that world that's going in a very, very, very bad direction. And that world that's shutting down freedom of speech and enslaving people more and more and more. The richest man in the world comes along and buys Twitter and says, I'm buying it so we can have, go back, we can have freedom of speech. He's fighting his own cohorts. He's fighting his own chevre, who all represent a certain world of nature, money, nature. And he's fighting all of them saying, I want to destroy the addiction of money to, um, to, uh, uh, funds more clipa. That's an example. It's called Lemachim Yitzrayim B'Chorehim. On Shabbat Gadol, the Shabbat before we left, we saw it again. The mystery, before we left Mitzrayim, the mystery, the first fruits, the Bacharim, the best of the best, the cream of the crop of the mystery themselves came along and said, we want truth. Let the Jews go to accept, to receive truth in Midbar at Harsinai. And we will destroy all of you, and we will destroy our own society in order to make that happen. That means that the darkness, the mystery, the bad guys, the klipa itself began to self-destruct and began to recognize that really what it wants is truth, Tyra, Besamigdash. So to finish off, that's the pattern that, that we're being taught now by this age-old story, that we've moved past that, I, that moment, that, that pattern in which we can force people to do things. It works very, uh, very poorly. It used to work once upon a time. It works very, very poorly. It gets harder and harder all the time because it's an old, broken system. The system of forcing people or or all kinds of ways that we have to get people to do what we want them to do. We pay them off, we bribe them, we blackmail them. All of that stuff that works so well, especially the blackmailing system, you know, or just forcing people, doesn't work anymore. The more we try it, the worse it gets. Because Gaula is about the dark opponent of holiness and truth need to come to the point where they say we want truth, light, and tightness. That's the process of Geula. A recognition by the opponent that they no longer want to be opponents to truth. They want to be an aid, an agent that brings truth into the world. So when we do it on a personal level, whether it's dealing with ourselves, like, okay, forcing ourselves to exercise or eat this or do that or forcing, 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 it's a big struggle because you can't force anybody anymore, including not yourself. 
because forcing is from the old system. You need to coach yourself or others to a point where they say, right, that is really what I want to do. You need to figure out skillfully how to uncover in them or yourself the true desire to pursue truth. And it requires some skillful coaching so that we can bring all the darkness to its ultimate purpose, to its ultimate identity of being true light. As it says in a way of Yisra Armin Nechesha, the advantage of the light that's embedded in the darkness, when that light comes out and it's able to express itself freely, it's light of ghoul and it's powerful light. And it can do anything. So in this week of Nessa, what are we in? Dvorah Shabinessa? No, Seferah Shabinessa. Okay, Seferah is Tyra and Nessa is, we move forward. Nessa is the base of Migdash, so we're in the right day. For the Gula Mitzvah Shlema, may it be immediately now.